And I really encourage everyone to listen to this. I actually reveal some things that I've never talked about publicly. And I just, for whatever reason, I felt safe and comfortable with you guys. And I was so fucking relaxed in Mexico. Um, <laughs> I just said a bunch of shit. I was just, wow, I so can't believe I said some of it, but I did. So you should go listen to it. <laughs> Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We always strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy and positive approach to non-monogamy. However, everyone approaches this a little different, and at its core, our show is about hearing and learning from the different experiences and approaches people have. With that in mind, it's important to remember that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect those of our own. It's also important to remember that we aren't doctors or therapists and that we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on this show. One final thing that we need to let you know about is that this podcast will hopefully include some explicit language. So, if that kind of thing offends you, we suggest you just keep listening until it no longer does. However, if you're under the age of 18, you should probably stop listening or gather up your parents and listen as a family. Enjoy. Ready? I'm always ready. I'm always waiting on you. Welcome to episode 41. We're Finn and Emma. Today, we have a fun, amazing interview with Tristan Taramino. The one and only Tristan Taramino. Yeah, and the clip you heard at the beginning was actually not from this show. It was from last Friday on the 21st of December. We were on her show, Sex Out Loud. And so if after you listen to this, go and listen to that. We talk a little bit about ourselves, and she asks us some good questions. So it was a fun awesome interview to do with her. Yeah, so wanted to say thank you to her for coming on our show, but also for having us on hers. We had a hoot and howler in good time. Yes, exactly. Also, if you're listening to this when it comes out, which you should be, uh, it is a couple of things. It's Boxing Day. Woohoo! It's the day after Christmas, and it's Emma's birthday. Yay! And she has no clue, but... I commissioned a special birthday performance for her. Oh, no. <laughs> so we're going to listen to the birthday song, and then we'll be right back. Birthday kisses just for you. There's so much that we could do Emma, come and play with us tonight It's hard when you're so far away When all we wanna do is play Emma, come and stay with us And some cake we'd have to buy Cause we don't bake Emma, have a lovely time tonight So, what do you think? <laughs> Finn just shared that clip with me I had not heard it before And it was amazing 
And it almost feels like Mr. H and Mrs. H want you to go and live with them and <laughs> replace me. It, it almost feels like that. Oh, I don't think so. They're awesome. Thank you so much for that. That was incredible. So anybody who's not familiar, that is Mr. H of the Bedhoppers podcast. So they're good friends of ours. <laughs> uh, and I asked him to write a song for Emma, and that's what I got. Aww, so thank you to that him. That was so sweet. And that made my day. And it was free. <laughs> Good present. Good present. <laughs> Quick note on the bedhoppers. We actually yesterday, again, if you're listening to this in real time. Yes, on December 25th. We recorded a almost two-hour episode of bloopers and... Funny stories. ...mishaps that, uh-huh. the, that the four of us have had, not necessarily together, but just collectively over the last however many years we've been doing this. So for us... It's almost uh, a decade of stupid shit that's happened to us or because of us. Yes. So go go listen to that. It's on the Bedhoppers channel. So, yeah. Next thing on the list is a real quick thing we wanted to mention. Um, Going into the end of the year and coming into the new year, we just wanted to say thank you to everybody for everything this year. We've had a great time. We've got lots of amazing stuff coming in 2019. Woohoo! And uh, we just wanted to quickly touch real quick on the the little resources we share. You can call them sponsors if you want, but really they're just they're resources that we use and love. And we will continue to share these types of things with you as long as we can provide some benefit to the listeners, whether yeah. it's saving a little bit of money or a free trial or something useful. And only things that we use and actually really believe in, too. Yep. So the first one being our favorite place to meet other sexy people. Don't do that again. <laughs> okay. I, just, I was feeling the song. and Leave the singing to Mr. H. Yeah. It's probably a good idea. Uh, no offense, I love so you, how, but... So how, how many months free do people get if they use the links on our website? Six on, months free! Oh, on Cassidy. See, we should leave the singing to Mr. H. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> so yeah, six free months of a premium membership on Cassidy where you get all the features. Try, go and try it out, get on there. The more people we get on there, the more of us there are to uh, have good times. Yeah. The other one that we'd like to mention is a website called stdcheck.com. You can also find the link to that on our website. Yeah, and so the the awesome thing about that is it's the one of the easiest ways that we've ever found to go and get tested for STIs. You basically make a little profile online. You go to one of the thousands of blood labs all over the U.S., usually in the same day if you want. Mm-hmm. Give them some blood and pee, mm-hmm. and then they give you some results like a day later. So, go do that. You save $10 every time you use the link. And we've got some exciting news coming on them next year, early in the year. Yes. We're just hashing out some deets. Exactly. I won't say deets again. No. You're saying and, a lot of stuff that I don't know. If... Yeah. So, tell them, where, <laughs> tell them where our website is, and then let's go to the episode with Tristan. Yeah. So, you can find us at our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, or under the... Hashed, no, not, not hashtag. hashtag. Under the screen name. Nope. <laughs> NNM podcast on Cassie or Twitter. Also, we recorded this episode in uh, while well, we were at Desire with Tristan. So Yeah, so one, one quick thing on that. Uh, there is a little bit of background noise. I edited most of it out, but there was some stuff like the guy drilling, uh, <laughs> apparently drilling concrete for a bit of, 
and yeah. and the cleaning lady came in and out a few times. So there was some maintenance going on around us. However, but. it is not a hindrance to your listening enjoyment. So just pretend you're there with us. Yes. Looking at the ocean. Yes. All and right. we'll post a picture of where we were at on Twitter too. Will we? We yes. will. Okay, let's go listen to what Tristan has to say, what things she divulges that she didn't think she was ever going to. Yay, let's go. So live on tape from the Desire Balcony Yes. with Tristan Terramino. Thank you for taking time out of your busy week to talk with us. (laughs) I'm just taking time out of having sex with someone. What do you mean? They're they're just (laughs) waiting for you, like... If they're waiting for me, but <laughs> by the time it gets to this point, don't you feel like you want to cram all of it in? So yes. I'm just like, fuck the activities. Who cares about the bourbon tasting? Like I have people that yeah. I really want to. Yes, you know. We definitely We're... didn't ever experience that. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday afternoon or Friday morning. I guess. Friday morning it's afternoon. Yet last day here and for listeners who can't see where we're at right now we're on a balcony um one building behind the ocean view but we have a side ocean view and it's beautiful sunny gorgeous day the water is beautiful blue We're, so anyway, now that we've... I just had to set, now the, scene. Have to set the scene. <laughs> oh, and we're all naked. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't hurt, right? <laughs> or are we? Or are we? Yeah, you'll never know. You'll never know. <laughs> so in the in the spirit of things, do you mind introducing yourself briefly for anyone who doesn't know who, sure. who Tristan Terramino is yeah. and how you wound up to be at Desire this week? Okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, I am a writer a sex educator, a filmmaker, an activist, and I host my own podcast, which you're familiar with, Mm -hmm. called Sex Out Loud. I I wrote a book, probably my two most well-known books are The Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women and Opening Up, A Guide to Creating and Sustaining Open Relationships. So Opening Up kind of joined the canon of open relationship books and lots of people seem to like it. And it's, it's only been mentioned on every episode of pretty, our pretty podcast well. since, it's really since sweet. the beginning of time. Uh-huh. So. I met the Swing Setters, oh, at another event many, many years ago, and we hit it off uh, right away. And when Cooper said, hey, do you want to come to this event and like teach some classes and be a service stop and all these things, I was like, hmm, I don't know what to expect, but of course I'm like game to try anything once. And then... Last night, uh, last year, last night, last year, I just had the time of my life. I mean, wow, wow, this place is magical and special and amazing. And and so one would infer that by having written a book, you are experienced in the art of polyamory yeah. and probably anal sex for women <laughs> as well. As well. <laughs> but... Since our podcast isn't normalizing anal sex for women, do you, do you <laughs> yeah. mind talking about the pot, like your transition to the polyamory side, or has it yeah. always been something? Um, I mean, I feel like as a young person, I was pretty sexually curious. I fooled around with girls and boys. I... You know, I was I was going to start at a certain place, and then like an image flashed into my head, which I had forgotten, which was that like I did have a foursome in high school, and it was one of those things where it was kind of accident. 
accidental. I had a boyfriend who didn't live in the same town that I did. And I had a best friend, Aaron, who I was in love with, but I didn't know that at the time. Adam (laughs) brought his friend, John, and Aaron's parents were away for the weekend. And it was like that thing where you're like super grown up, right? You're like mm-hmm. cooking me. You're 16, but yeah. you're like cooking meals <laughs> yeah. and like raiding the the liquor cabinet, and like you have the house to yourself. I mean, yeah, it's like pretty fancy dinner for high school, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it was pasta for right. sure. <laughs> so, and Adam and I were having sex at that point, and the, there was going to be a question of like, will Aaron hook up with John? And then we all ended up in the shower together, naked. I don't know who suggested that or or why or how. <laughs> but it, it was, and I'm sure there was like some gin and tonics and you know what I mean? Like a little, a right. little like, hmm. Lubrication. And I remember thinking, this isn't actually that strange, right? This feels comfortable. Like I trust these people. I love them. Like this feels really comfortable. Um, it feels really fun. Yeah. And, and, and so... At the time, I was mostly dating guys, but I had this really intense romantic friendship with my friend Aaron. And actually, when I came out later in college to high school friends, they were like, were you and Aaron together? And I, I said, well, no. I mean, well, there was a couple, but not really. And um, And they said, because like when you stopped being friends, like everyone was just like, Tristan and Aaron broke up. I didn't know any of this, but the perception even then was like, that's not a typical friendship. Like there's right. something else going on there, but I wasn't like seeing it at the time. Uh-huh. So, okay. So fast forward to college where I'm still very sexually curious. I, I mean, at that point I just felt like I'm at college. I have like I, I have all the things to do and all the people to do. And you can rebrand yourself, right? No one there knows who you are. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Who you were, right? So. so I just felt like I was kind of like a free spirit. And I would date people, but it it would be casual. And then I I came out as bi. I, I slept with a few women. And then I met my um, my what would be my first serious girlfriend. I won't name her because she's famous now. Um, so I met my first serious girlfriend and she was like the hottest dyke on campus. And of course she was dating this ostensibly straight girl, like all the queers knew each other. And so they were like, who's that? <laughs> right? They didn't fit in that mold, right? Right. Cause they all knew each other and they knew who was queer and who wasn't. And all of a sudden they're like, who, who's this Tristan girl? And she was a senior and I was a sophomore. And she had a very specific plan. She was from the East Coast. She was from Boston. And I was from New York. But she was like, I am like day one after graduation going to L.A. I want to I wanna be a film writer. That's where it's happening. Like, I'm going. She's very, you know, focused. And so I was like, okay, but I'm like still a sophomore. <laughs> like, what should we do? And so we sat down and she was like, well, I think we should have an open relationship. Now, she was only two years older than me, but she really was a kind of, like, mentor figure to me. Like, I always joke, we're still friends, I always joke that, like, I did so many things for the very first time with her, right? Like, first sex toy, first role play, first bondage, first fisting, first strap-on, first dirty talk. Like, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, because she was incredibly sexually open, and there was a sense of, there was a sense of a long, long menu with no judgment right. about 
what's on it or, you know, so it's like, it's Thursday. What do you, what do you want to try? Yeah. Right. Like just try this, try this, try this. If you don't <clears throat> like it, don't do it again. Right. And she was kinky. And, and so of course at that point, like I didn't know anyone that was kinky. And so, um, and she read on our backs magazine and she was very sex positive and it just opened this whole world to me. I think it's really something to have a, a lover who is totally shame free. Right. Yeah. They model that for you and you can't help but just sink right into it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and it sounds like she was the epitome of the the campsite rule, right? Like leaving you much better than she found you. Yes, when, so yeah. <laughs> like she didn't she didn't push you to these places and, no. then, and then destroy you and no. away. Right? No, no. I feel like she was so pivotal in my sort of own sexual evolution. And so we we ha- we decided to have this open relationship, and at first, and then I would go see her in LA a bunch of times. And at first, like nothing was happening, and then she began seeing someone, and I began seeing someone, and it was like a super hot mess, super hot mess. Was it jealousy and jealousy and being so far away, and also, I just. I knew, I mean, I sort of knew how hard she loved, right? So I I felt like, oh, she's not just going to, like, turn that shit off, right? Right. And so, and we just didn't have any skills. You know, I'm, like, 20, and she's, like, 22, and shit got weird and messy and sad. And, yeah, it just didn't, it did not work. But, you know, when you think, like, when you're there, you, you think like, no, I can do this. And she had sort of opened my eyes about all this like sex outside the conventional box. And so of course, when she said like, let's have an open relationship that seemed like, Oh, right. Like we're not, we're doing all these things that are not straight or not, you know? So like, of course we could like explore some kind of relationship that's not the regular relationship. And she didn't have experience in that either then. Right. No, she was just something she wanted to yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. and because of the distance, like we wanted to stay together, but we knew it was also sort of not realistic. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was like a, it was like so it went on for two years, and it was like it was like there was like a crash and burn at the end. Oh. <laughs> hmm. Sad face. Sad face. But two yeah. years is a pretty long time to sustain something like that, especially having no framework to. No. Yeah. Right. You know, no guidelines right. in place. Yeah. And then. Like simultaneous to this, the person that I was seeing who went to a different school, when, after we broke up, I found out like six or seven months later that one of my best friends had been secretly seeing her and that there was a little bit of overlap and they were completely on the down low about it. And because we didn't go to the same school, there was like no sort of gossip to be had. And that felt devastating for me at the time that they didn't share that with you. Yeah. It just felt, and also it just felt like a betrayal and I felt like I'm so close to you and I was so close to this person and now you're so close to each other. And it felt awful to me. It felt awful to me. Yeah. I feel like I didn't quite like ever recover from that. It just, it just felt awful. I think the not telling me and then also the idea that like I had been really close with someone. Yeah. And then these two were really close to each other, yeah. pushed my buttons yeah. in a really intense way. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that makes sense. You know, sense. and again, we're like, I'm still in my early 20s. Right, right. So, yeah. so like, you know, a lot of new things. The drama's real. Right. Um, yeah. So, okay, so now I'm, let, let's, okay, so I'm trying to like now track my where was I, what was I doing? So, so you wanted the relationship that was long distance, that was um, open. Right. And then, moved away from those people completely or did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
so, so by the time I graduated college, I had a girlfriend. Okay. It's all coming back to me now. I had a girlfriend (laughs) and again, I was going to move to New York. She was going to still be in Connecticut. She went to a different school, but she's going to still be in Connecticut. And so there was going to be, um, another like another long distance opportunity. Right. And, oh no, that's not right. Oh my God, Tristan, your origin story, get it together. (laughs) I moved to San Francisco. Okay. No, no. Right. So I was recruited for a job right, right out of college. Um, I was supposed to go to law school. I got rejected from every law school I applied to because I had very average LSAT scores, but otherwise very smart. Um, and so I got recruited for this job in San Francisco and it was working for like a women owned and run political consulting firm Uh in San Francisco. Wow. And like when you're a baby dyke, like, could you have hit the jackpot anymore? (laughs) No, that that sounds amazing. (laughs) No. Right. You're like, I'm going to the Mecca Yeah. (laughs) and then I'm going to like work with this feminist organization. It's going to be amazing. Of course, it was not amazing on so many levels, but, um, so I lived in San Francisco for six months. So again, now we're back on, we're back on distance, right? Yeah. With that girlfriend. Yeah. Cause and she stayed on the East coast. She stayed on the East coast and yeah. I, and I was on the West coast. And so I saw a bunch of different people in San Francisco and, you know, in San Francisco in the queer community, that was sort of a default. Yeah. Right. So you had arranged with your girlfriend back home that, or yeah. back at the East Coast that you had. We both could do things. Yeah. Yes. But I feel like I had more opportunity because yeah. I'm like in San, San Francisco. Francisco. Well, and now you were a professional. You did it the one time. <laughs> yeah. You, right. You've graduated. Right. Right. <laughs> and I'm so, after you said the first time kind of crash and burn, I'm surprised that you were like, okay, let's try this again. Like the East Coast, West Coast, long distance. I know. But it se- it only seemed like fair. Yeah. And maybe it felt kind of natural. Yeah. Well, now it was your turn to head west and to right, the, exactly. To the um, frontier, right? Yeah. Right. Hmm. It's interesting because you would think, yeah, you would be scared of giving that a try again because it didn't work last time. But. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm, in the moment, like it seemed like the right thing. You yeah. know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so I lived in in San Francisco for only six months, in which. San Francisco attempted to destroy me slowly (laughs) Um, in a series of just like horrible things gone, like every possible thing, bad thing that could happen to you, like happened to me. So it was like really, it was really intense. And then my father got sick and I moved back to the East coast to be with him. He was diagnosed with AIDS and it was 1994, 1994. And he, they assumed once he had been diagnosed that he'd been positive for probably 20, like 10 or 15 years. Wow. Cause he had no T cells and he was not, he was so far along. Oh, um, that's so awful. I moved back to the East coast and I feel like I just concentrated on my dad. He, he only lived for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Maine at one point and, um, I was sort of like, I was kind of concentrated on that. And then I moved back to Brooklyn, or to, to New York, which was like sort of the first plan. And then things got sort of sidetracked and then I moved back to Brooklyn. I feel like I was single for a while. And then I did have a girlfriend I was monogamous with. Um, she had bright orange hair. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's the thing you choose. To like I can, you know, I can picture her. Yeah. She just had bright orange hair. And so I feel like I, I made my foray sort of back into non-monogamy Maybe several years later, I felt like 
I just wanted to like play the field. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm in Brooklyn and there's like a hot guy who goes to my dog park and there's like this sexy butch girl who hangs out at Meowmix, which yeah. was um, the Dyke Bar on the Lower East Side uh, at the time. <laughs> Meowmix. I love that name. <laughs> and so I felt like, um, yeah, I felt like I just want to explore. I don't, I don't want to be exclusive with anyone. I don't even really want to date anyone. Mm-hmm. I just kind of want to be like around. Right. Right. And then... I got into a triad. So I went to an activist event at the Statue of Liberty (laughs) and Annie Sprinkle was running it. And we were all supposed to dress like sailors or mermaids. And there were these two butches dressed as sailors. And I was with like a bunch of my femme friends and we were all just like swooning. And what were you dressed as? And I was dressed sort of, I, there's probably just a lot of glitter. Okay. <laughs> glitter, glitter. Um, and so we were super swooning. They were super hot. And then I found out they were together. I was like, oh, they're together. And they're like, they're together, but, you know. So I got invited to a party that they were at. We flirted. And then they were like, hey, do you want to play with us? And I was like, oh, that would be fun. And so one of them was the dom. One of them was the sub. And then they would co-top me. Right. So then they would both dom me and it started out kind of casual, right? Like a play relationship. And then we would see each other more frequently. And it was like, it was just a good vibe. They were both older than I was. And then the top of the hierarchy, call her V started dating someone, right. Which was within the bounds of it. Right. And, and in fact, the, the middle hierarchy, right. So there's like, there's like top and then there's like switch. And then there's me, the switch, um, had a daddy in San Francisco, very long term, like five years who she would go and see and who, who was like a preexisting part of her life. So everyone seemed to be having a, a sort of a full life there. And then the top of the hierarchy fell in love with someone who wanted to be monogamous. Ooh. So, but, uh, so up until that, it was almost a, you were starting to see your first working models of. Yes. 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 Where like I both came into a thing and then that person had a thing. And then as, as we got going, someone, a new person came in. So yeah, I started yeah. to kind of see like how it all went works in a more functional way yeah because they were experienced and also I felt kind of immediately like I liked the people that everyone was dating and it felt natural and it yeah right so I'm curious in the we've had some questions that have come in and actually this is also kind of a question that I've had is there's some people who think that because oftentimes you see polyamorous relationships like it'll start with two people and then a third adds and then one of the two one of the three drops off and then somebody comes in and people look at that and say well it see it can never work there's always relationships ending but I guess what we've sort of come to is like that doesn't mean it's not working that's that's sort of how it works yeah is people grow and change and they move in and out and just because three people don't get together and stay together until they all die at the same time right doesn't mean it wasn't it, a it didn't right. work. And actually this is really funny, you know, because V was this per like okay, V and R. V was R's top and then V and R topped me. So actually when V left, we were the two on the lower rung and at some point we were like, do we wanna you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Like all of a sudden the dynamic shifted pretty, yeah, pretty dramatically. Right. So it's like we were a little bit like at some point, huh? 
do we should we just like call it a day yeah. or should or is there something here that we could sort of explore it's a totally different dynamic right um so that was like so it felt very conscious it didn't feel like one person left and so the two people kept going it actually like there was a point where we were like was it the magic of three and are we meant to now all go our separate ways or do we want right. to see if this is a thing yeah right because it was never a one-on-one, I mean, you have one-on-one, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it never started that way. So it was a little bit like, oh, now what? So yeah. I felt like we consciously... The dynamic had shifted. Yes. So, so then we consciously said, okay, let's figure this out. And I remember, so it was probably like nine months into this that we went on our first like one-on-one date. <laughs> I remember we went ice skating here <laughs> and yeah. And it was like, oh, Right. So what now? What's what? What is this? Yeah. Right. What's this? So because your third one had she left the relationship right. completely because to be one because she'd fallen in love uh-huh. and wanted to be monogamous and yeah. So it was like a it wasn't an automatic one leaves and the other two just carry on. It, right. it was actually quite a shift. But it wasn't a failure. It's not. No. You wouldn't look and say, well, she left, so that we just failed. No. Right? Like everybody. No. Just... Things morph and change, and it's a yeah. fluid yeah. process. And actually, what's very, very funny is among all of them, the person that I'm the closest friends with is the is the monogamous girlfriend oh, really? who technically broke the triad. Yoko. Isn't that funny? <laughs> um, so, okay, so now I'm with R, right? And R has this, R is kinky. R has a lot of play partners. So she was the switch. She was the switch. R is my dominant. R has a daddy uh, in San Francisco. Long-standing relationship. Right. Quite intense. And there was a sense that, well, first of all, this preceded me. So there was no sense that I really was going to come in and be like, hey, you got to like clear the slate now because right. I'm here. Right. right. It was clear to me that they had a long-standing relationship. It was very connected. It was very intense. So I don't know that I ever thought, oh, I want you all to myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it also felt, well, for one thing, that person was her dominant. She was my dominant, right? So it felt like a different world, yeah. right? And and she she was just a, a sort of major player in the, in the kinks, in the queer kink scene in New York. So she was constantly playing with other people. We would play with other people. It's sort of like the way we started, right? It was, is like the way we went. Right. Yeah. 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 And then eventually I got myself a boy. I got myself a submissive. Um, so then I began to explore my switchy side, Uh right? So there's like a, she has a daddy. She's my dom. I have a sub. You know, there was like multiple layers there. Yeah. 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 Layers. Wow. And I think also, with kinkiness, there's something about like having these very specific roles that you feel like, you know, where you fit in and you feel special, you know, because you, you have this particular thing, right? It's like, she has a daddy. She's not my daddy. I have a dominant, right? right? Then I have a submissive who's my boy. She has a submissive who's a girl. Like it all, it, it, it feels like, because the roles are really distinct right. and formalized in kink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that makes it easier then? Because you can look at it and say, well, I, I don't know of a good analogy, but like I'm going to order like a, 
ice cream sundae, right? And you're the banana, and you're the ice cream, and you're the chocolate syrup. And then when the chocolate syrup leaves, we get more chocolate syrup. And so, but if, like, a lot of times people are, like, it's a husband and wife, and then there's a third woman comes in, and they're not in a kinky relationship. So, you now you almost have two women filling the space of what used to be one woman. Have you seen that that is actually easier on the kink side because of that, those roles being defined? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, and I learned this from doing so many interviews for my book. I feel like when you ask people what they really, really want, many of them say, I want to feel special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, I want to be the only one. Right. Not the only one. I want to feel special. Yes. Right. I think that's an innate human. Yeah. Thought, right? Yes. Yeah. And so... To me, having this particular role made you feel special, right? Because in the grand scheme of things, I know I know where I am, and I know that like we have this particular dynamic, and you have a different dynamic, and so and these dynamics are named, right? So it seems very clear, like you have a different dynamic with this person, different dynamic with this person, different, and we kind of have our own thing, Mm -hmm. right? And even if you know, at one point, R had another submissive. That submissive was a boy. That submissive was like a sex pig. Pig in the grandest, most honorific way I can use it. Um, we were very different. Right. Right? We were very different. And so that also didn't feel like, oh, my God, that's a threat to my relationship. It just felt like, oh, that's a whole different thing. That, right. like, I'm not, that I'm not. Have you explored monog- or non-monogamy since then? without all of the defined roles of the kink world or have most of yours been in the kink capacity? No, I have. When I was with R, we got into an accidental quad. (laughs) It happens. (laughs) This is, I was going to say this story for my memoir, but I'll give you the like short version. We became very close with a couple, a trans guy and a femme, and we started to like kind of do everything together And because we were already kind of, they weren't necessarily that kinky. Mm -hmm. We were very kinky. Eventually, like, people began to play, right? So I played with the femme, and then R played with the trans guy. And then, and but also we began to develop this kind of family-like relationship, you know, where we're all sleeping over at one person's house. We're all having meals together. And we didn't openly negotiate it it just sort of like happened yeah right Mm -hmm. and then we were like sitting around the table one day and I was like wait like we're doing something here like maybe we could just say it out loud like Uh we're doing something here um and actually in that case the only person I hadn't um had sex with was the trans guy and I ended up developing really strong feelings for him and um, was not letting R know because it was very clear like they're primaries and we are primaries. Yeah. Um, and then when I did, like we we split the two couples split almost immediately and stayed together each the original couples. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That didn't go well. I mean, I think mostly it wasn't the that I had developed these really strong feelings. It was like, why didn't you clue me into this yeah, like on right. the way? Right. You know. Do you think had you done that, it would have ended differently or it would have gone differently? Um, I don't know. 
I don't know. The feelings felt really intense and they also felt like they sort of came out of nowhere. I mean, they come out of nowhere. We spent all of our time together, right? Yeah. But it did feel, I don't know, it almost felt a little scary. My feelings for that person almost felt a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. Different. You know? Yeah. So, so, so my accidental quad <laughs> was, was your was your main foray into polyamory outside of kink. Kink. Um, I mean, that felt outside of kink because they weren't that kinky. Right. 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 And then I'm trying to sort of think, and then I sort of there was just like another phase of kind of like solo. You know, I'm just playing the field. Yeah. And then. That's the other thing is like, you know, so then I, my marriage, I was with someone for 15 years and that ended two years ago. And I feel like that had, because it was so long, it sort of, we almost practiced like every kind of style. So, right. And that was different than our, that was. Yeah. This is a new person. Okay. Let's see. Person. They're all not public people. So no, I no, respect no. their privacy. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. And Great. so, um, so R and I are still together. R has a daddy. R has a boy. R, you know, R's living a, a full life. Um, okay. <laughs> and I have a boy who, who is also now I'm on the East coast. The boy's on the West coast. And so there's about a year overlap. Right. And then. R began dating a woman and it was much more romantic than kind of all the other things going on. And my relationship with my boy became much more romantic. And so then we split. Okay. Um, and interestingly, R is still with that woman. Oh, really? Who she sort of fell in love with, yeah. like, and while we were still, yeah. you know. So then we split, but of course, oh, and also when I had a boy, the boy had a primary. Right. Okay. So there's like a lot of balls in Levels. the air. Right. Yeah. And it was like, and I felt very clear that like I needed to respect the primary and also be like, we're having a specific dominant submissive relationship. That's not, that didn't start out romantic. Yeah. Right? right. It started out very much like we're doing this role play and it's not like a boyfriend, girlfriend thing. Eventually the boy broke up with his primary and, and I guess at that point, I, I, at that point, R, am I still together with R? I don't know. <laughs> also, when I was together with R and the boy, we all played together, mm-hmm. which is like another thing too, right? Like, are you keeping these things separate? Like right. I had never met or played with or done anything with R's daddy, uh-huh. right? That was a very separate yeah. relationship. But the three of, when I had a boy, like the three of us would play together. Yeah. And so then I'm in this 15 year relationship and it, it began as non-monogamous, right? I had a primary, he had a primary. So it, it, so there's sort of no question, like, this. we're going to keep doing this. Like, yeah. we, we happen to have now morphed and changed from what it was. Now it's a different thing, but it's we're still open to other stuff, so right? So you had met... Do you had met someone else and then had that boy still, or did that boy become your? No, my boy became my primary. Primary, okay. Eventually, yeah. And became your husband. Yeah, okay. and I, yeah, and yeah. we got married. So. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like for a while we were kind of practicing partnered non-monogamy. He had moved to the East Coast to be with me, and we sort of had a sit down where this was a huge change for him. He was a California boy mm-hmm. and New York is a hard place to <laughs> navigate. And so we, we basically said, okay, for the next six months, we're just going to, we're not going to pursue other people or be involved with other people. Like you need to settle in. You've moved all the way across the country for me. Like 
let's just focus. Yes. Let's just focus, yeah. make you feel like safe and secure and settled because you're sort of coming into my life. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think um, just a side note, I think that is an important thing to recognize in some like relationships that when you need that, when you need to, to focus on one, like regroup. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think some people are maybe scared to admit they want to do that or need, or need to do that. And I think it's important. I just wanted to know yeah. that. So shortly thereafter, we began running this, um, queer, it didn't start out queer, but like kinky sex positive swinger poly event that happened at a campground. Mm -hmm. It was totally immersive. And so in those years, there was just a lot of opportunity to play with other people, both kinky and, and just sexually. Right. right. So I feel like we practiced a kind of partner non-monogamy where we were primaries. We weren't looking to sort of date or romance anyone else, but there was a lot of play with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so in, in all of this, did you ever use the term like swinger or swinging or were you always sort of just going down like we just this is just a thing we do and we don't really put I, a name on it? So right. Much. I mean, I probably identified more as polyamorous, but I mean, my, my connection with the swinger community has always been strange, right? Because early on I was invited to the swinger event, naughty in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is like, I mean, I feel like it's like 15 years ago now. (laughs) Um, and my boy and I went and I was going to teach classes, like hands-on classes. And when we got there, like we felt super alienated. We were definitely the only queer people. We were kinky and it felt really heteronormative. And it was like a little bit like, whoa, right? And then slowly we began to find these people, right? Who would be like, oh, you guys are kinky? Well, we're really interested in kink, but like that's not this scene. So we really haven't explored it. Yeah. Right. And then I remember this couple we met where the husband was like, I'm 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 interested in trans women. And that was like a that was like a secret that you whispered, right? right. Yeah. Within swinger circles. So we began to find the kind of like offbeat people in, in the swinger community. And then two friends of ours who we knew really well from the King community did identify as swingers and they ended up coming to the event. Okay. Right. And so then we were like, Oh great. Like they're a straight couple and now we can like swing. <laughs> we did like a full swap. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we're like, let's do that. Like the full swap in the hotel room, like, you right. know, the whole swing yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, Cause we were there and why not? <laughs> and so we did that. And certainly, Certainly I went to other swing events. I just felt like I, I went in thinking like swingers are, are, are challenging this like huge institution of monogamy, right? They are really fucking with it. So of course we have like a ton in common right. and then finding that that wasn't true. Mm-hmm finding that like some swingers are really conservative and some swingers are really heteronormative and have a very narrow definition of sex Mm -hmm. and have very narrow definitions of gender. And that caught me off guard because I, I tended to think like, no, these are our comrades. They're like doing it in a slightly different way, but this is like, we're all comrades here. Right. Yeah. 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 Have you, have you started to see that shift? since obviously yeah 15 years ago that you yes uh, obviously um and then i can remember going to swing clubs and there's a place called new horizons in seattle it's not there anymore but it was a really special amazing place and 
So I, so I would go. And at that point I felt comfortable enough that even though I'm like the only queer person here, like I'm just going to do my thing. Yeah. And then just also, you know, I would be traveling out of town and someone would say, Hey, you have to see our swingers club or come with us. And so I inevitably was in swinger spaces. Yeah. You know what I mean? And sort of found my people there. Yeah. And it's really when I met the folks from the swing set that I was like, oh, my God, there's a revolution happening. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? There's bisexuality? The guys are bi? Bi Bi-curious? Like, you guys are into pegging? You guys have... You guys have sex toys. You don't all just have like heterosexual intercourse. Like, yeah. wait a second. This is not what I've seen up right. till now. Yeah. And so it made me rethink the whole thing. A- and that they were saying, we do have relationships, but we identify as swingers. Yeah. Right? Right. It's not just recreational or social for us, which can be for some swingers. Right. But we do have relationships. We do have things that look like polyamory or ethical non-monogamy, but we strongly identify as swingers. Right. Yeah. Revolutionary, right? Well, that was the, that was <laughs> that was when it was like, okay, now I see where I always thought that you know I always thought there was like so much overlap. Now I see the overlap, and yeah. it feels like it's it's getting bigger. Right. That's yeah. exci- I mean, I'm glad you're seeing that. I, yeah. There needs to be more of that. And then when I tell people, you know, I I <laughs> so funny because I tell people I'm going to this event, and they're all just like, "What?" And most of my friends know about last year, so they know why I'm back. Yeah. But someone said to me right before I left, a, a queer person was like, but what is it really like to hang out with so many straight people? And I was like, they're not straight. <laughs> it's yeah. just not, right. you think I'm going to like a fraternity reunion. It's and sorority, you know, a fraternity yeah. sorority dance. Yeah. yeah. It's not that at all. Yeah. So it doesn't, I don't feel alienated in any way. Yeah. Yeah. In any way, and and I would say too that the the straight people don't feel alienated either, or forced, <laughs> or like because I identify as mostly straight, or I am straight, but I don't mind interaction. Like if I touch another guy, I don't freak out. Right, or see meltdown. two guys or something. Yeah, yeah, like it doesn't bother me. But I don't, at the same time, like I have seen very little non-straight things happening, and I don't know that I just haven't seen them or I just haven't and it's you haven't been in the right place I haven't here. been yeah. in the right place, but it's it's not I don't feel like anybody here feels alienated one way or another the and that's what I hope this environment maybe I just don't notice it anymore because it just I'm so like Ooh, I well, don't even right yeah. yeah in some way all like all the different people and there isn't a sort of cookie cutter swinger here, it does become like normalized. So you're yeah. like, you don't notice anymore. Right. right. Until, unless you were sort of dropped in probably a more traditional swinger. Yeah. But, but the idea that there are these progressive swingers, it's not just a younger generation, right? We've got a good age range yes. yeah. here. And I just feel like there's just much more fluidity in terms of gender for both men and women. So I, I feel like, first of all, there's multiple gender presentations for women who identify as straight or bi here. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really amazing and important to see that, that women don't feel like they have to be in this box of like, sort of like bikinis and stripper heels, which I love bikinis. I love stripper heels, but, but you don't have to wear them. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there are men here who I feel like are not subscribing to sort of traditional ideas of masculinity in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So I do feel like the gender variety here is something I talked about this last year on my podcast 
I think we assume there's incredible gender variety within queer communities, right? And we see that and, and we have names for it and, you know, right? And we dismiss that there could be that same amount of gender variety among male-female couples. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's here and yeah. you see it yes. loud and clear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we've met people where... I guess like you'll meet the guy and the and the woman and the couple and then you'll you'll be like oh I think there's maybe some like maybe he's not fully straight or she's not and then you find out later like oh yeah we're both straight or we're both and you're just like okay I don't know what to think anymore right oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. no so I just you stop thinking you about it can't read people here <laughs> oh, yeah no you I'm, have to have that conversation <laughs> oh my god yeah just, uh, no 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 you can't judge a book by its cover like at all. And there are some people here who I read as very traditionally straight and swinger, and then they open their mouths, and I'm like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it forces you here, especially, like, you have to have that conversation with people, because you can't just assume anything. Yeah. You have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, you have no idea. Well, that's why we like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why we keep coming yeah. back. So I guess... Do you mind talking a little bit about your transition to your current partner? Mm. If if he's, do you think he's okay with that? Yeah, I think he's okay with that. <laughs> so when he and I met, I was still in my marriage, and he was also married, and uh, everyone was non-monogamous, and there was a there was a bit of a, a rough start because I we became interested in each other and you know, he sat down with his partner and I sat down with my partner and we were all going to sit down together. And my ex would like one day would be like, I'm totally into this. I think this is good. Yeah, let's do this. And then like days later would be like full stop, no veto done. And so there was like a lot of like push pull, like you, you go forward and then like the gate closes and then the gate swings open Um, so there's a lot of discomfort on the part of my ex. Uh And so actually my current partner and I didn't actually get together until my marriage ended. Uh But, but, but he was a point of like sort of contention and back and forth. There's a lot of back and forth for quite some time. Uh And the way that I, that the, what set in motion my divorce was way before the, this person that I'm now involved with, which is that I violated a non-monogamy agreement. Okay. And over 15 years, has that happened before? Yes. I mean, right. we're all human and like I wrote the book, but like, I'm not an expert. I'm, you know, yeah, you're still um, human. Yeah. You're still human. And so when it happened, you know, I told him right away. And so sorry, we had, we'd been through this before, we, you know, we'd been down kind of every road you can imagine going down. No, um, no, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And so there, it's not like there hadn't been violation of, of agreements, right? And so I told him right away, and I truly thought, like, I fucked up, and I need to, like, make amends, and this is, like, a one-time thing, and it's I'm not pursuing this person. I'm not in, involved with this person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he just sort of lost his mind. Wow. <laughs> and we were in counseling for a year before we actually broke up. Uh-huh. Wow. And monogamy and non-monogamy were definitely central to those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. He felt very caught off guard. Wow. Very caught off guard. Yeah. He hadn't experienced that intense emotion in the past. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And he felt caught off guard that I violated an agreement. He was just sort of like, why would you, why don't you just call me? We were apart. Uh And I felt very caught up 
in a situation yeah. where it was like unfolding organically and I had no um, intent, but all of a sudden it was like, what am I, what am I feeling? And do I want to act on those feelings? And so I felt very sort of caught up in something yeah. that I was like, okay, I have to, I have to deal with this later. Um, and it felt very in the moment for me. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know that, that my marriage ended because I violated a, an agreement. Well, and first I think, thanks for sharing that. Yes. And two, thanks for showing, sharing yeah. that you're, you are human. I, th- I think. <laughs> yeah. Background noise. <laughs> That's a drill. That is a drill. Yeah. It's funny here in paradise. There's always a lot of noise. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, even a, a professional non-monogamous <laughs> still makes mistakes. And that, right. that, that hopefully gives people the space to say, we're just starting this. So we've been doing it for a year or two and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to yeah. have speed bumps and we're yeah. going to have hiccups. Yeah. But I guess... How how do you have you learned over the years like ways to mm. navigate those mm. for and I know it's different for everybody yeah. but like yeah. have you seen some key themes and yes maybe things that have changed since you wrote the book on it mm. that you've learned since then that mm. like yeah. I would say if I was going to give you some advice this was what I would say Well I think that for me, this is a really important piece. So for me, when my partner would come to me, cause we would have a kind of like a check-in, right? Not yeah. like prior notice or whatever you want to call it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. We'd have a check-in. So it's like, Hey, I'm interested in playing with this person or, Hey, I'm out, you know, I want to do something with that. And so we always had like prior notification. And what I would do is I wanted to be a yes, always. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And so he would come to me and I would be like, before he's like finished the sentence, I'm like, yes, because in my higher self and in my brain, like I want him to experience all there is to experience in the world. Right. And I want him to be able to do what he wants. Yes. Right. And I want, I want all that for him. Right. And that's what you want for your partner. Someone right. you care about. So I would just, I would yes it before even having a beat. And then that could sometimes go wrong. Cause I wouldn't like, I, I would, cause then some, something would go and I'd be like, Oh, that made me feel uncomfortable. Or we didn't talk about that piece. Or now I do feel jealous when I didn't think I was going to feel jealous. And so I just learned to kind of like take a beat. Whereas that like, if you come to me, like, uh, you know, give me a minute and it could be a minute, could be an hour, could be a day, could be a week, depending on the situation, obviously. Mm-hmm. But let me sit with it for a second and like come to yes, fully informed yes. Or, or maybe I'm going to come to no, or maybe. Right. Right. But like actually work it all out in my head and then say yes. Yes. Right. I feel like I jumped to yes and that was a downfall for me. Right. Right. Cause then all these other things would come up after, but he would be like, you said, yeah, like it was a yes. Yeah. I was like, right. And then I didn't think about this or I didn't think about this. I didn't think about this. Now it's pushing my buttons. Um, so jumping to yes before I'm a yes. Yeah. Big, big time. Even if you want to be a yes. Yeah. I want to be, I want to be a yes to, to so many things. Right. And I, and sometimes I'm like, Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Or, you know, I've experienced that. <laughs> yeah. Multiple times. Well, <laughs> yeah. and, and I, so I think that's the other thing is like, I really do feel like, I mean, since I wrote the book, 
I've been studying Buddhism. I really believe in radical acceptance. And so I really do feel like this piece of being where you are is really important. There's where you want to be. Oh, we all want to be yeah. this. But where are you right now? Yeah. Right. Are, are you feeling insecure? Like, is there something off? And that's okay. Do you not have enough acknowledgement? Like, where are you right now? And, like, accepting where you are right. and not trying to sort of, like, push past or ignore where, where you actually are. Like, are you a raving, jealous lunatic right now? Right? And and just, just be able to say that. Yeah. I, I also think, you know, people tell me all the time, like, so you don't get jealous. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so jealous. I'm such a jealous person. <laughs> right? You don't have to eradicate jealousy. Right? right. Um, there are moments when I can experience intense conversion and that feels amazing, but certainly I can also feel jealousy. Right. Right. So, so just like really checking in with yourself and saying not what, what, it's not like the wish it's the reality. It's the reality of how I feel right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also sometimes too pushing, like you want to accept where you're at, but also you want to grow too and beyond yeah. that. So yeah. finding that balance of right. accepting where I am, but also accepting that maybe I don't want to be here forever. Yeah. Yes. Also the space of like, huh, that's giving me some kind of feeling, but this, that's tolerable. And I'm going to go back and work on those feelings. And it doesn't have anything to do with you or the other person. Right. right? Seeing that too. Right. That yes. It's triggering something in you, but it's not really about them. Yeah. Right. Because right? it's, it's rare that your partner is like, hey, I want to fuck this person. And they're like a dangerous person. You're like, right. no, yeah. I've heard they don't practice safer sex. I've heard they're going to go talk about you on the internet. I've, right. You know what I mean? Like that, that's not, that's not a thing right. for most people, right? So it's not about that person. No. Right. And usually your partner, this, at least in our experience, our partners usually choose somebody that is an incredible person. <laughs> and like, and that's, and that's awesome and exciting, but it's not a, something might be triggering in yourself and it's not about that. Yeah. It's not about that person. Yeah. So I think that's an important lesson. I just also think, you know, I had tremendous amount of shame and guilt having been this public person who's associated as an expert on non-monogamy and then feeling like I failed and feeling like I couldn't tell anyone because people have certain expectations of me. Mm -hmm. So I feel like also cutting myself some slack where I didn't before, Yeah, you know? where I felt like I had to be perfect and that like that piece was a big like wake up call for me to just like ease off on my expectations and yeah. give myself a break. Well, and, and at the end of the day, right, you're a human. So I, I think <laughs> I am, I think the uh, one thing that I was curious too is have you seen the fact that you are sort of an icon and a figure in this space? Does it affect your relationships? Yes, Absolutely. Have, Absolutely. Have you ever come to a relationship since you became well-known where they didn't know who you were and you just wanted to be like, I'm just going to. Yes. And so my, my relationship <laughs> with my boy was that way. I was a guest speaker on a college campus and all of his friends like knew who I was and they were all sort of buzzing about it. And he's like, what now? Who now? What? <laughs> so that was refreshing and nice. Cause he just knew you as, as right. You, as me as me. Yeah. But it is rarer and rarer for people to not know who I am. And so there is, I feel like there are there's an expectation. There are like star fuckers out there. Um, I, I feel like I have to 
I feel like if someone says, like, I really appreciate your work and your book changed my life, like, that's one thing. But if someone's, like, fanning all over me, yeah. that's, like, a totally different thing, right? Yeah. And also, you know, the expectation, right? The expectation that I'm... I'm going to be an expert at this and that I'm going to also be some sort of sexual dynamo at all times. Right. Because that's what I'm known for. Mm -hmm. Um, Me too. Just just not as widely. (laughs) You're working your way up there. And you know, sometimes you have your off days or sometimes you're like tired and you're like, Oh, okay. Wait, I got to take a break. So, uh, Yeah. So, and I definitely feel like it's affected my relationships on multiple levels. I do feel like for my primaries, it's very hard to be Mr. Tristan Taramino. Yeah. Right. Which they most definitely are. Right. Even if they have the biggest, strongest presence and personality in the world, there's still this sense of people are like crowded around me. And, um, so I feel like they're, that's, that's been an issue for me, no matter who the personality of the person is. Yeah. Expectations. And I, real quick, I'm going to take a minute there to say we were not intending to f- fulfill that destiny of interviewing you and not including Mr. Tristan Taramino yeah. in this conversation. <laughs> he, was, he was originally planned yes. to be here. He yeah. was feeling like he needed some extra sleep. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to get him later. Going to get him later. On yeah. his own. And exactly. then he gets to be himself yeah. without you. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Because he's his own person and you're your own person. So yeah. we're excited to have both of you. <laughs> yes. 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 So, yeah, I think it, it, it can't not affect your, rela- you know, like your relationships. It just, it does. Right. And there's a certain amount of attention that is divided, right? I feel like when I'm here, I'm this special guest and I'm teaching, I'm doing my podcast, I'm a service top, and I'm also deeply embedded in the community, right? I'm out and about. Mm-hmm. And that's part of it is that's part, you know, that's part of it is like you can hang out with me like a regular person. You can have breakfast with me. You can, you know what I mean? Like you can see me in all my like really tired glory, especially right now with my baseball hat, which I never wear. Um, by the end of the week, Friday's, Friday's a little rough. Friday's like, yeah, everyone's looking a little, little rough. So, so there's also a sense that like, I'm at this, at this event. I mean, obviously we could go do something on our own, but at this event, my attention is split. My attention is split because people want to talk to me. I want to meet them. There are people here who came to meet me, you know, and I want to give them time. And so there, there can be a sense that like, like, what about me? Like, where's my attention? You know? Um, and that's hard. And, And I would say that, and I know it probably happens on a grander scale for you, but that that happens to regular old couples as well. Like you, you'll start having a crush on someone, and then for a day you're like kind of in pursue mode, and your partner's like, hey, "Yo, I'm over here." Yeah, and you're yeah. going, "Yeah, no, 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 yeah. I love you, I love you," yeah, and then yeah. you're looking yeah. the other direction, yeah. and so those types of things are you get to experience them on like the magnified level, right? I think. Right, and, and and also, you know, I felt like. Last year, when we came here, we were very much like a pair, and we would decide, like, we're into both people in the couple, and we're going to hook up with them. And Swingers. We d- <laughs> you are swingers. And we did everything together. Yeah. And this year, I've noticed that our desires have, like, veered off. 
So I've said like, Hey, you know what I'm like really interested in so-and-so and he'd be like, Hmm, not really. <laughs> don't want to show up and like half ass it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, right. right? Yeah. Um, so, so there's been an interesting negotiation that we're not on the same page about people. And so the people that he seems most drawn to and the people I seem most drawn to are not the same. And then trying to sort of negotiate that, like wanting to have this like togetherness, like team thing and share experiences, but also being like, I I don't know that I'm into that. Like I could watch that, but I don't, I don't think I want to be in that foursome, right? That's just not, not my jam. So that's been an interesting thing to navigate, which was different from last year. Last year we were like solidly, like we're in this together. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of that saying yes before it's a yes, right? Right. Yeah. Being able to say like, Mm, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't feel it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's it's also fun to hear that you are making space and time for your own pleasure. That's not a performance. Yeah. That's not workshops. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there are just so many great people here. You, you, it feels a little overwhelming. It does. <laughs> There's, it needs to be like a 25-day event so you can meet everybody. But I think we would all die. <laughs> First of all, my pussy can't take that. <laughs> like, for sure, it's like seven days, and it's like, could you please give me a week vacation? So I would have to be like a week on, a week off. I've, I've found sitting in the cold pool for like an hour or two a day really helps the... Oh, the, I never go in the pool. It's just like not my... Well, you just have to out. put the lower half Yeah, in. yeah, you just have to yeah. put the lower half in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good point. Good point. Yeah, because the heat doesn't help. No, anyway, the, the cold helps. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like that's been an interesting change for us to navigate, which is like playing separately, even though we're in the same place. Right. right? Yeah. And just being attracted to different people. Yeah. Right? And it, that takes some negotiations. It does. And it does. Well, but in it, in the harder part, you guys seem to have negotiated your ability to pair off if needed. You also have to find other people who are willing to accept that and exactly. do it themselves. It's not right. just you guys. So that makes it even harder. Right. Because everyone, some people will not pair off. I know. They're invested. They yeah. won't pair off. Right. Yes. Yeah. So even and if that's you're their ready jam. for it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's the way they've negotiated in their relationship so absolutely you have to make sure what your desires are and your partner's desires are meshes with what the desires of are the other people yeah which yeah. can take a lot of community it all comes down to communication absolutely is being introverts has is always difficult for us but we know how important it is so we push ourselves to do it and mm. we're so happy when we do it yeah yeah uh, but it it is like Especially for me, it's really hard to go up and just be 100% honest with someone. But when I do it, I feel amazing. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I also feel like, like this time around, there's been a couple that I'm interested in and I've let them know very clearly, (laughs) very clearly. And they're definitely shyer, more introverted, different communication style than me. And so at some point I realized Okay, I've got a. I've given them the hard sell. Yeah, they know where I live. Uh-huh. Yeah. If they want to, you know what I mean. If they want to do it, do it. But like, I need to let go of this particular thing because there are a lot of other people, and I've pursued you. I've made it known, and now I need to stop. 
Yeah. It's not easy though. No, because you really want to. Yeah. But like, Maybe if I just remind them, I had, no, but I had a revelation last night. I was just like, you know what? Like if someone said, Oh, where's so-and-so and weren't you guys going to like maybe meet up and blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, but I'm kind of done chasing. Like yeah. I'm, I'm kind of done chasing. Like I'd like the pursuit and I like the chase and I like being assertive. And then it's like, but I'm not going to beg you to fuck me. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Right. Who wants to be pity fucked? No, right. It's <laughs> like, I'm not going to like literally hit you over the head and drag you. If you're, whatever your ambivalence is, which may or may not have to do with me. Right. 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 I'm going to, I'm going to move on. Yeah. I'm going to move on. <laughs> Hard lessons to learn yes. here yeah. in paradise, yes. but necessary. Yeah, yeah. No. And it's, it's fun to hear them from somebody else who we, I mean, we struggle with the same things. Right? Yes. You know? I just told uh, him last night that this week has been amazing, but I, it's also pushed boundaries and pushed communication and, and I've learned a lot, I think. And that's, that's part of what this week is all about. Right. As well. Right. And unexpected yeah. learning, like uh, just things you don't expect. Right. What, yeah. what was something that you, happened that you had not expected this week? I think the veering off of our desires. Yeah. I felt like we were just 100% on the same page last year. We went to speed meet and greet. It was like after two minutes, we would just look at each other and be like, mm-hmm, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> no. Um, and this year, yeah, we just had, you know, this year there's like people here who I hooked up with last time, who I want to hook up with again. And it's like, no, yeah. you know, okay. so the, the, the divergence and being able to make that like, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That we're sharing this experience together, but there are some experiences where we may kind of go off and do our own thing. Yeah. Right. Which we didn't do last year. So it's a new dynamic. Yeah. 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 That's super cool. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's just, it's really awesome that, like Finn said, you have to uh, navigate these things, and you are having similar navigations than we are. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's exciting that we're not the only one. No. <laughs> right? So not to continue the theme of forcing you to admit all your mistakes and yeah. faults. Yeah. Because but... I've admitted most of them now. Yeah. Yeah. One of our favorite things to ask people, because it, it helps everyone realized that we all make goofy mistakes is like a blooper. It doesn't have to be this week, but like a blooper from a swinging or a, any type of exchange. It doesn't have to be sexual, but like just where Funny things just experience. went hilariously wrong. Ooh, hilariously wrong. Hilariously wrong. It has to be hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. has to be hilarious. <laughs> or just slightly funny is acceptable. That's I, I hang out in the slightly funny region of life. Most oh my of the God. Time. <laughs> um, hilarious. Life's not fun if you can't laugh. I've had like a lot of hilarious, like sex, you know, bloopers and stuff. Right. But I'm trying to think of like a hilarious, a hilarious sex thing. I'm even just trying to go through all my, um, <laughs> you can pick like two or three. I know. I mean, where it's like gone off the rails. I mean, it's, it almost always goes in a direction that you don't expect. Right. First right. of all. Right. So that's one thing. Well, I do think that I, I, I had ba a really bad etiquette, bad practices in a situation last year where I was in a six sum and hadn't yet played with any of the people. And one of the guys got undressed and his dick is huge, right? Like fucking, like, like you're like, 
you're like double take, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God. Like, you know, without, without, like, it, was, it just, I said it and it came like right out my mouth, right? I didn't like pause or anything. I was like, oh my God, that's huge. And then I realized there was another cis guy in the room and that could have really thrown him. Yeah. Right? Because I know that, like, fragile masculinity, I know, like, your ego. Why are you at me? <laughs> I know that your egos are delicate and it was just like, I could have thought it and not said it. I could have whispered in his ear. Yeah. Like I said it out loud and I was like, dude, why did you just do that? Like that, you know what I mean? It would yeah. just be like if someone said, I don't know, you know, there, there's, there's like, there's an exchange there that someone yeah. could have said something about a woman and yeah. I would just be like, like, I love big boobs or something. And I'd be like, oh. right. So it was just bad form. I was like, Tristan, why did you say that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it just came it out. It just came in my mouth. It, it didn't come in my mouth. Um, it just <laughs> it came out of my mouth. And I was like, that was bad form. Like, you need to be more thoughtful. Yeah. Um, so I do remember that from last year. What else? Like, hysterical, weird. Well, okay, this is just a, a funny story, which is that when I was in the quad, we all traveled to Canada together because one of the people was Canadian and was actually in the U S like with an expired green card. Right. So we, first of all, when you go to, when you go across the border, you always have like, you need to be calm and you need to look like you're doing something illegal and all this stuff. But the fact that there's three American passports and one Canadian passport, you know, like throws things off. Right. And so we had a whole story. Like we know exactly where we're going. We know how long we're staying. Like we, we, we lined it up. We rehearsed it. We lined it up. We rehearsed it. We lined it up. Right. So we get there, they start questioning us and we're like, bum, 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 bum. and then this guy goes, how do you all know each other? And everyone froze. <laughs> and I was like, we're friends, <laughs> but they all like freaked out in that moment. Like we hadn't rehearsed it and we weren't friends and, but, but it's, but it's like border cross. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. you don't have to tell him everything. No. Right. How do you know each other? And everyone just went, <gasps> well, we just had sex. <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> we're friends. <laughs> there are different levels of friendship. Yeah. It's just like, I can not believe everyone freaked out about it. Cause I was like, we, we really don't have to reveal this part of our right. thing. No, like, no. Friendships are just fine. We got in fine. You we got got in. And we got back to back was, you know, even more. Scary, but yeah. we got back. In. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious now, like talking about your large penis viewing session, that <laughs> like how do you navigate those? Because maybe you do see somebody and you like, oh, I love your breasts. I love this about right. you. And if somebody who doesn't have that same feature and the same form, right, overhears it. Like, you're always at risk of offending somebody, right? Right. I think it was, I think it's a couple things. I think that, like, in our culture, penis size continues to be hammered as the most important quality. That is your sexual, you know. Prowess, right? Prowess. Like, it all revolves around the big dick. And even if you're super enlightened and progressive, there's all this programming in your head, right? And, And also, if you have, like, a, a, like, if you feel like you have a small dick, which forget about averages and all this stuff, but if you feel insecure about your dick Mm -hmm. size and then someone like sort of points out someone else's dick size, I just feel like it's a number one button pusher for cis guys. Yeah. And so I, so I, I, and I said at the very beginning, which I, it just was a bad, it was bad form. Obviously everyone's got to be responsible for their own like sense of security. Right. 
Like mm-hmm. I can say, I love your boobs. And it doesn't mean I don't love your boobs. Right. right. Um, I just thought at that moment it was, uh, it was, yeah. it was badly I think constructed. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair too. Yeah. If I said something like that, I would probably would feel similarly. Yeah. Like, like come on. What Tristan, the- <laughs> come on. That's fun. Outside of uh, d- these two desired trips, are you and your partner non-monogamous at home? Yes. For a while, I had a girlfriend, which that has ended. My partner's really busy work-wise right now, so it's a kind of a situation where he's like, yeah, I would love to do all X, Y, and Z, and yet I'm kind of wrapped up in this other thing right now. And then I've got some, like, flirtations in the works, Mm -hmm. Uh, like with question marks. Like, is that going to be a thing? Um, so, so there's two things kind of at the beginning Okay. that I don't know where they're going. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Hmm, what, what, yeah. what might that be? Yeah. Yeah. And have you experienced, I guess in, in any non-monogamous, have you ex- ever experienced a situation or anything remotely comparable to this week at Desire? The only thing remotely comparable for me is the event that I did for 10 years at the campground. Okay. Because it was immersive. The staff was, there was like a staff of like five people. Yeah. Right. We we took on a lot of the staffing duties mm-hmm. and then you could get in for free. And so it was like a kitchen staff and that was it. So it was, it was really only us. Yeah. And people could do, they could make their wildest fantasies come true. It, it was... Yeah, it was it was an unbelievable, incredible experience. The accommodations sucked. Okay. It was a campground. It, yeah, the but... accommodations totally sucked. And every every year they'd be like, oh, we're going to fix that cabin up. And then they wouldn't. So here, there's just a level of comfort here. Yes. The food is better. There's air conditioning. Like, the beach is right here. There's a pool. It's really nice. Like, so that, yeah. So I feel like psychologically there was a, there was a similar kind of, like people open, people exploring, people pushing their boundaries, people trying new things, exciting sort of transformations and light bulbs, right? Yeah. All of that happening, but not comfortable, not, not physically, I'm a Taurus, not physically comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Which we've talked about how cool it would be to have something that's a little more accessible. Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. But trying to find the right place and everything, but like it's very, I mean, as someone who produced events for a decade, Mm -hmm. it's really fucking hard. It's really hard. And you know, first of all, it's hard to get a hotel to even do a thing like this. But then when you do get a hotel, the truth is like, you're in the lobby with regular people and mm-hmm. you have to get in the elevator. And so it's not an immersive experience. This yeah. is an immersive experience. Yeah. yeah. Like I've always said, like at this event I used to do, like if you want to be a puppy for five days, we'll get a bowl for you. We'll feed you on the, you can sleep in a dog, but like you can do it. Yeah. You never have to break that role. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't. And that is a different experience than if you have to like navigate between two worlds at a hotel event. Switch on and off. Switch on and it off. It just feels, yeah. it's hard. It's it's a certain kind of navigation. It kind of takes you out of it. Yeah. yeah. All right. How, what time is it? No uh, idea. 12.30. So we can maybe wrap. Okay. Yeah. Um, Great. Well, we'll say goodbye. Okay. Should, should we pretend to say goodbye? Sure. You want to say goodbye? <laughs> so. So. <laughs> I guess before we let, yeah, before we let you get back to paradise, mm-hmm. is there any final thing that you would like to share and or maybe plug some of the names of 
the resources that you provided or other resources right, right. besides yours that you have found to be valuable? Yeah, so my website is puckerup.com. I also have openingup.net. My show is Sex Out Loud, and you can find where to listen and all that stuff at sexoutloudradio.com. I'm Tristan Taramino across all social media platforms. I do my own social media. I guess I do want to say that this is... This is entirely a unique place, right? You said, like, have you approached something similar, uh-huh. right? Yes, but this is a one-of-a-kind thing. I mean, I go to events for a living right. around the world. <laughs> That's, like, what I do. Mm-hmm. And so I have seen, you know, every possible format, structure, community, all the things, venue. And this is, it's fucking unbelievable. Yeah. It's fucking unbelievable what what we have here, what's been created, what's been co-created. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the swings that sort of gathered everyone around, but then we're all co-creating it in the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. anyone who's here. Is co- right, yeah. is co-creating it. And so yeah. it just, it does feel magical in a way that's almost hard to describe to people who haven't been here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's unlike anything else I've ever experienced. Yeah. That's interesting to hear too, like just because you've been to so many different types of events that yeah. we, we could never have that. We don't have those comparisons though. So, <laughs> right. We won't spend our money on them. We'll just come here. Then. <laughs> right, exactly. Maybe we found the right one right away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could have lucked into it. Yeah. <laughs> I went to all the bad ones, so you don't have to. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> and thank, thank you for being very honest with us and sharing things with us that yeah. were pre-memoir teasers and everything. <laughs> so we, we're very honored to have you and for the time to sit down and yes, thank yes. you. Thank you for Thanks. making the time. Absolutely. And we're so excited to just have the opportunity to get to know you a little better. Yeah. So. All right. Okay. I think we did it. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> it. Wow. Well, well. I want to go back to Mexico. I think we should go back to Mexico. Maybe we should just move there. Yeah. Although that wouldn't, I don't know if it'd be the same if it just Yeah, it'd be there. the same. <laughs> it would be a special. It'd be special. Anyway. So, yeah, thank you again to Tristan for everything. She's amazing. Her books are amazing. Everything she does is pretty much amazing. So. Yeah, go, we can't thank her enough for yeah. sharing everything she did with us. It was, it was incredible. Go check out all of her stuff. And look forward to an interview in the future with her boy, as you will. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, settle in for a long winter's nap. And then (laughs) you will hear us in one week on January the 2nd. Yes. We have a cray-cray interview. Well, it's actually just a regular interview. It's a regular interview, but with a couple that is amazing. Yeah, it's actually all of our interviews are fun. This one, we we were like... It just went in places we weren't sure. Like, it surprised us around every turn. So come back. (laughs) You're going to listen. You're going to love it. And we'll see you in 2019. Oh, wait. Oh, shit. One more thing. If you didn't, uh, yesterday, the 25th of of December, we had a special episode... Yeah, how could we have forgotten that? With the bedhoppers. Woohoo! It was amazing too. Yeah, so go listen to that on their channel. We tell lots of stories and have a hoot and holler. And yeah, we divulge a lot more about ourselves than we do on this podcast. At least some funny stories. Yeah, so go listen to that, and we will see you in one week. Twenty nineteen, here we come. <laughs> <laughs>